0: forever or whoever you may be, I am Alan Orante and this is The Recluse Podcast. Today's guest is Pastor Fernando Franco. He was born in 1970 and upon entering church at 16, he knew he would become a pastor. By the age of 28, he was licensed and has since been preaching the gospel. He is a father. He is a husband. He is the author of two books, Discontinued and To Be Continued. He is also my uncle. Pastor Fernando Franco recently contracted COVID-19. He pieced together some candid video of himself going through the process of healing and quarantine, and he cut it up into a two-part documentary series. He felt the need to show his congregation and to spread awareness on these topics related to COVID and to show that it's real and causes suffering. What follows in this conversation is his account, his experience, his perspectives on COVID, the power of prayer and its unifying strength. He even suggests that a person can never be too old to enjoy their mom's cooking. This is a portrait of Pastor Fernando Franco.
1: My wife and I were out of town and we were visiting a couple a married couple and uh, we hadn't seen them in some time we were there uh f- visiting with them three straight days i mean at their house swimming pool party uh dinner together at a restaurant i mean we were with them countless of hours when i got home uh i you know was doing a funeral i was officiating a funeral for a child and her grandmother they both were Tragically killed in a moped accident. A uh, driver under the influence crossed the, the middle lane and uh, hit them head on and killed both of them. The little girl, she was a member of our church. So I was doing her funeral, and on my way home from the funeral, I saw that I had a voicemail from this couple that my wife and I were with, and they said to call them immediately. I called them and they both were in the hospital and they said that they both were positive for covid-19 we just had left them uh their <sighs> house 3 days earlier and so when they told us that immediately uh i had to uh quarantine myself and and of course i couldn't sadly but i couldn't bury the little girl the following mm. day Because now I had come in contact with somebody who tested positive. And although I wasn't positive myself, neither had I even tested yet that night when I got home. I just knew that if you came in contact with anybody, then immediately I should not be in contact with anybody else. Now, it was too late for me the day of the memorial service because I had no idea until I heard the call when I got home. So I had to do something about the next day, and that was I cannot show up and be around people. And so from that day on, I started self-quarantine, and that's when I went to go get tested the first time. I went tested the first time, and everybody else in my household also went to go get tested. And I waited, and I got my results back Uh, about five days later. And I don't know the dates exactly, but this was sometime in either late June or early July. But I got my results back five days later. My results came back negative. I was really, really happy and now um, was waiting for everybody else's results. About time everybody's results came back, it was nine days. And so on the ninth day of being quarantined, we all find out that we are negative. So – we're excited, we're happy. and about two days later, I start feeling symptoms and and I start feeling this this struggle with breathing. Every time I, I inhaled, it was hard for me to inhale. And if I took a certain amount of breath, uh, I would start choking and coughing. And the best way I could describe it is if I would rate an inhale from 1 through ten, 10 being the deepest you can inhale, every time I reached about a 7 or an 8, it seemed like the virus virus just kicked my breath back out automatically. Mm. I had no control over it. And once you inhale, you just could not breathe deeper, and you you would start coughing. And so I knew something was wrong, so I decided I'm going to go past it. I went back to go get tested and that day I self-quarantined again. My wife left the house and quarantined started a quarantine at my daughter's house and until my results came back. My results came back again about 5 days later and I was positive. And so I'm still positive as we're speaking. Uh this is my um 13th today's Friday. This is my 12th day of quarantine for my second time. Uh the first time I quarantined when my test came back negative, I was quarantined for nine days. And then two days later, I started quarantine again, and I'm on my 12th day <laughs> because uh, uh I, I have to. And 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 on, on on my 14th day when I go get tested. I'm still going to have to be quarantined again until (laughs) my results come back, which is probably going to be another five
0: days. So you get the first test and it says negative and people in the household are getting negative results as well. I mean, don't you just sort of party at that point and you just go on as usual? Why why did you quarantine after that first negative test when that should be the thing that sort of liberates you?
1: I didn't quarantine after, after the first negative test. I remained quarantined because the other people that were still living with me were waiting for their results back. When they got their results back, that they were all negative, we did celebrate. But the celebration only lasted about two or three days until I started feeling those symptoms. And so after when I started feeling the symptoms, I self-quarantined again on my own. And immediately, I can't remember if it was that day or the next day. It was the next day after the symptoms uh, because it was it was late at night when I started feeling the symptoms I mm. couldn't get, get tested at a drive-through, so immediately the next morning is when I'm going to go get tested. So I did in quarantine after my my first results came back.
0: So you you get this second test and it says positive. What goes through your mind immediately? Are you thinking, "Wow, this could be a death sentence"?
1: Exactly, because. Again, this couple that I was with, they were hospitalized. Um, Great health. One one of the – I should say this. The husband of the couple that we were with, he's a former world champion, great health, healthy, never gets sick in his life. And when you have somebody younger than you, healthier than you that has fought many faults in his life – not just with illness, but just battles themselves. And um, now he's uh, in the hospital because of it. Yes, that kind of goes through my mind. And then not only that, but now at this time, when I had tested positive, uh, it had been around for a little bit, had been around for a little bit. And of course, the stats were getting higher and higher of not just positive cases, but now of, of deaths. And now now people were dying that were not only just older than 70 or 60. And so, yes, it went through my mind and I I, I uh, had to just kind of uh, wrestle with that and not, uh, not let that fear overtake me.
0: Did you start behaving and saying certain things as a result of that possibility that this could be it? Were you seeing life in a slightly different way when you started to think, wow, I could, this could be the last two weeks I'm around. This could be the last month I'm around. Um, did it have any effect on your behavior and your, the things you were saying, how you were communicating to people? It
1: didn't change my behavior or outlook. Um, I knew, I knew that I wasn't going to die more than I thought I maybe would die. Um, I think because, um, I was fighting it from home. I think if, uh, if I was rushed to the hospital, which I almost was, and if I was told that I was going to be put on a ventilator, then I think I would have started looking at life differently.
0: Did you ever think, so prior to you actually getting it, did you ever think that the virus, uh, was a myth, that it wasn't real, that it wasn't as dangerous as people were treating it. Uh, What was your view on the virus prior to getting it?
1: My view on the virus prior to getting it was, of course, you know, I thought in the beginning that, okay, there's a lot of conspiracy involved. Uh, There's a lot of political uh, and strategic planning going on in You know, of course, I've had and I still do think my certain ways about all of this. However, what I do know is I got sick. I am sick. And so whether I know one thing, this virus is real. It is the truth. And whether it has been, you know, strategically planned for it to become a pandemic, I I I don't know about that, but what I do know is that none of that matters when you actually get it. When you get it, you get it, and it doesn't matter. And when I say none of it matters, I mean we can't do anything about that. Is what I mean. When you get it, what does matter is you better beat it, you better fight it, and you better win it. And whether you have your perspective on this being a hoax, or politically, you know, strategically planned, uh, or if this is all about a, a, a win for who's going to sit in the next seat in office, or who is going to be the one world government leader, I, I, don't, I don't know, but what I do know is I have it. And that's as far as I could think right now as I need to beat this because when I beat it is when I can start getting back to life. Right now, you can't live your life to the fullest uh, having this virus and being
0: quarantined the way I'm quarantined. You somehow managed to not transmit it to anybody that you know of, right? (laughs) At least the people in your house. I mean, how do you is that just pure luck? I mean, I feel like it's such an easy (laughs) virus to contract. How did you manage to not give it to uh, uh, your wife and your kids?
1: You know, that's a good question. And you are absolutely correct when you say it's such an easy virus to catch. It is easy to catch. So that's an awesome question. When I tested the first time, my household is 12 people. That's how many people live with me. 12 people. Full grown adults, no mm. kids. It's because I run a, um, I run a mentorship home here at this house. Mm. And so the first time everybody got tested, it, they all came back negative. So you have to remember when they all came back negative, And again, we were quarantining together. So when you're quarantining together, um, you're not all wearing masks because you you know you're you, when, when they say when they say you've been exposed to somebody who has have have the virus they say just count yourself as if you have it yourself mm. so I was almost positive that I had it after spending so many days and hours with this couple and I oh, was wow. almost positive my wife had it so when I came back all of us are quarantined together however I was still the only one that wore a mask and my wife whenever we came around people in mm. in the house as we were quarantined together because we were the one that were exposed to uh, or came into contact with somebody oh, okay. who had it. Right. So so we were extra precaution, uh, precautionary. However, everybody else stood quarantined. They didn't wear their masks. It's only when we got really close together and we would sing songs or something like that. Um, so Miraculously, everybody came back negative, including me and my wife the first time. So for the for the two days or three days that we were somewhat celebrating, of course, that's when I didn't have my mask on anymore in the house because I was negative. I was feeling no symptoms. And what I'm trying to say is I spent at least 48 hours with everybody close up. Wow. We were all under the impression that we were negative. But when <laughs> I started feeling the symptoms. That's when I self-quarantined for whatever time I had from the evening where I couldn't test until the next morning where I could. I I quarantined and and I even I I put a mask on in my own bedroom. I slept on the floor. Mm. I slept on the floor, you know, 12 feet away from my wife as she slept on her bed. And I kept my mask on 24 hours in my house till I went to go get tested that second time. When I came back, I still kept the mask on and I went to my bedroom and been quarantined away from everybody until I got my test back. When I got my test back, I was positive and I still been in quarantine since then. And everybody else went to get retested and they all came back negative, as I mentioned earlier. So it is a miracle that 12 people in this house did (laughs) not get We're not contracted with this virus with me being this really hit me aggressively. As I mentioned, I was I was one hour away from being in the emergency room. And I think that they probably would have tried to get me on a ventilator. And I just I battled to get this fever down and get my breathing under control and thank god i was able to do that and i was not that was i was not needed uh, to be taken to the hospital because of that
0: since you were the only one who got the virus and miraculously you you didn't transmit it even though you were in close quarters with people sleeping in the same room as um your wife do you sort of read into that at all do you wonder if maybe it's just a part of god's plan he chose you out of everybody do, do you Think about it in that way at all?
1: I think, uh, I think that maybe, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> I think of it <clears throat> that I wouldn't say it was God's plan. I would say God allowed it to happen. And, you know, there was a man in the Bible by the name of Job. And Job, the Bible says that, was a righteous man in the eyes of God, meaning he was nearly perfect. And however, one day the devil came and visited God and asked God, he said, God, have you, God asked the devil, where have you come from? And I like the way God asked him that question, like, <laughs> what are you doing around me? It's like he told Job, I mean, he told he told the devil, where have you come from? And the devil told God, he says, I've come around from roaming the earth and seen who's in it. And then he brings up this man, you know, you know, the devil was looking for somebody who he can attack. And then God says, have you considered my servant Job? God, God is pretty crazy for him to uh, like, just drop a name like that. He, like in others, he told the devil, he said, oh, you're looking for somebody to attack. How about Job down there? He's, He's a he's a righteous man. I mean he he can handle it. Uh and, and then and then and then uh, uh the devil told uh, God, uh, yeah, I I I I I'll I'll attack him and 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 you know he's only serving you because everything that you gave him. Because Job was a very wealthy man. He was a successful and prosperous man. He had he was like the perfect family man, he had the perfect wife, his children were I mean, he he had it all. And 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 uh and God gave permission to the devil to attack Job. And he attacked Job. Job's attack was way more severe than just me struggling with sickness. Job struggled with sickness. He had boils from the head to his, his feet, and and which at that time was also considered um it you know, you, you you had to be quarantined when you had that type of sickness also back in the Bible days. Uh, he lost all of his wealth, his property, his possessions. His wife got killed and, and his, all of his kids were killed. He lost oh. everything. He lost everything. However, the end of the story, the Bible says that God gave Job double everything, the amount back. And the... The, 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 the reason why I'm answering you with this biblical story, number one, because I'm a Bible. Secondly, you asked me a Bible question. Thirdly, I will give you the answer onto why I think this has happened to me and not everybody else in this house. I truly believe that it is a compliment that God has given me. And the compliment is I can trust you with this. Hmm. I can trust you, you're not gonna talk bad about me, you're gonna keep giving me the glory, you're gonna keep singing and worshiping, and you are not gonna make me look bad and you will represent the sickness the right way and you will have a positive mindset about it and you will still love me just as much as not even more after I've allowed this virus to uh, 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 infect you.
0: So you, you really didn't feel tested at all in a way. So even though this was cast onto you, you there was never a moment where you lost any faith at all. I mean, it sounds like you were only strengthened by this, ironically, uh, even though it weakened your body.
1: You know, I think it was, you know, I think you said it right. I don't even think I was tested because, you know, I truly believe I was trusted. Um Tested. Um I I, I I I know I was tested, but I didn't feel like I was being tested because mm. I've been tested in such a greater amount of levels than this sickness that I'm <laughs> battling with, you know. And so I do know it was a test, but I don't think I feel like I'm being tested,
0: you know. So you put out two two documentaries you put out uh, part one and part two uh part two you let uh you released it last night. What compelled you to document this whole journey
1: what compelled me the priority of being compelled was if I could do anything to slow the spread and if it's by means of education that if this can happen to a pastor. Uh, it can happen to somebody who honored all of the guidelines before I contracted it. Um, then it can happen to anybody. No one is exempt. This virus is no respecter of persons. Celebrities are getting it. Multimillionaires are getting it. Politicians are getting it. Doctors are getting it. Ministers are getting it. And even sad to say, and I know the stats are low but even children are getting it. For some reason, it just seems like people think they're exempt. It's not going to happen to them. The reason I put this out was number one, was to educate people and to slow the virus down. And secondly, is because I'm always being around so many people as a pastor, I wanted them to still feel that they were with me and I was with them and documenting this on video and showing them what is going on in my life every day, I think it keeps us connected. And then, of course, thirdly, I think it compels people to pray for me uh, when they see what I'm going through rather than hearing on what
0: I'm going through. In the documentary, you reference this uh, idea. You you know, people are debating whether churches should be opened up. Um and you say that some people have this perspective of well, if I die, I'll go to heaven." Um, can you comment on that what do you have issues with with that perspective?
1: you know I of course everybody everybody has their own perspective on if churches should still remain open and uh, I've always respected everybody's feelings because that's something you just have to do as a person. You've got to respect somebody's feelings, even though what they're feeling may not be correct with your own values, but that's their own feelings. And that's one of the beautiful things that God has given us. He, he's given us something, something, something that's called free will. And also, I think there's something we can add to that. He's also given us free feel. You are free to feel the way <laughs> you want to feel. And so everybody has a different perspective on, Hey, uh, why are you not opening up your church? Uh, If you're not opening up your church, your faith is not in God. And there's other people that say, hey, um, uh, why is your church closed down? Your church is closed down because you don't have faith in God. So everybody has a different perspective. Mm. So I'll give you my perspective because one thing I found out about people, they're going to talk about you whether you do the right thing and they'll talk (laughs) about you when you do the wrong thing. I mean, you're always going to be talked about. That's another thing that God gave people the freedom to do freedom of choice. And of course, your values may be different than other people's values, your standards, your, 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 your core uh, thoughts uh, may be different from everybody. However, that's their uh, perspective. So you're going to be talked about no matter what you do. In the documentary, the point I was trying to make is that um, y- me as a pastor, I'm okay if if I die, I know where I'm going, and as a matter of fact, that would be pretty awesome because I I would love to see my dad, I would love to see my father, I would love to see my um, my pastor, I would love to see my grandfather who I was named after that I never met, I would love to see the countless of people that I've buried, I would love to see my grandmother who actually prayed in my salvation. Uh, I would love to see so many people in heaven. You're going to have what is called a reunion. And I can't wait for that. So with me, I have no problem with dying. As a matter of fact, I look forward to that. There's other people who are afraid of it. However, that will be selfish of me because I may die and I'm okay with it. But the people that are not going to be okay with it are going to be my children, my wife, my church people, my nephews, my nieces, my sister, my brother, my own mother, Uh, Those are the people who are going to left behind and suffer as the result of me being okay with dying over this virus. And so it's not fair for the people that are left behind if you could do something about it. One time a person came up to me and they said, hey, pastor, if I smoke, does that mean that I'm not going to heaven? I said, no, if you smoke, it doesn't mean that you're not going to heaven. But it means that you just may get there a lot sooner.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. So in terms of uh, the actual symptoms and your experience, uh, was it just like any other sickness that you experienced? What, What was different about this?
1: Oh, gosh. What was different about this was, of course, the first symptom was that breathing struggle that I told you about. I knew immediately there's something wrong here. this is not normal. I've had the flu before, and people are saying, Hey, this is just like the flu um, <laughs> the, 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 the The truth is is for some people it is depending on the strength of your immune system will determine on how aggressive this virus is going to uh, affect you and so yeah there's some people I mean that's why you know there's a symptomatic people have it and don't even have any symptoms. However, those who do have symptoms, um, as you know, it's it's posted everywhere what the symptoms are. With mine, it began with the, the, the struggle of breathing. I couldn't breathe right. I couldn't breathe correctly. That was my first symptom. I knew that's what, what was going on. That's what caused me to go get tested. However, now when I got home and I started isolating myself, <clears throat> then the symptoms begin to now uh, add on. Then I started, uh, I remember uh, I woke up. I woke up that next morning drenched in sweat, covered from head to toe. And some people know what I'm talking about because that happens with other sicknesses. But you wake up and and you're, you're drenched, literally, like soaked, like you jumped in the swimming pool and got out. That's how drenched you are. And, so, and for, for you to sleep through the entire night, not knowing that you're a person, perspirating like that and you wake up and your clothes are dressed, your pajamas, your cotton pajamas, then you knew, you know, okay, something is not right here. That was another symptom I had. And then, and then I started getting fever and I knew something was really wrong when my fever elevated up to 104.2. And then of course the coughing and, um, the chills and of course, I think the symptom that uh, immediately comes upon you and is the last symptom to leave is uh, headaches and severe, severe fatigue. And it seems like I've had a headache for the last uh, how many days that I calculated nine plus 12, uh, whatever that is, you know. Uh, you help me out, you're a teacher. Um, <laughs> yeah,
0: that that's how long you had headaches? <laughs>
1: that's how long I've had headaches. The headache just does not go away. They, some are migraine, but, but they do not leave your body. And I don't know what the cause of that is. is. I, I don't know if it's a lack of oxygen that is not getting through your circulation. I don't know what it is, but it's headaches that never, 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 never leave. But the also thing that never leaves you is fatigue. So the last three days, I've definitely got a, long, a lot stronger. A lot stronger means that I'm not in bed, um, you know, 20 hours out of the 24 hours a day. Um, now it's kind of like I'm up for eight hours straight, and then the fatigue starts hitting me. Uh, but there definitely is a low energy level throughout the day, but not as low as it was the first
0: week and a half. And is it hard to sleep with all of these symptoms? Are you uh, worried, you know, when you put your head on your pillow, you're worried, you know, am am I going to wake up from this? I mean, what how how was your sleep affected during this?
1: Well, these are good questions you're asking, by the way. Um I'm, in the beginning, you're very worried. When I say the beginning, the first 2 days, you're very worried if you are going to wake up the next day because You are Uh, self-quarantined. There's no doctor. There's no nurses. There's no uh, monitoring. You're not hooked up to any type of uh, EKGs and um, oximeter, um, um, pulse oximeters and, uh, you know, uh, IVs. And, you know, there's nobody that is um, checking on you as much as you would be if you were in a hospital. You know, when you're in a hospital, your vitals go off, then the nurses are alerted at their station. So so it goes through your head, man, uh, gosh, I, I can die in the middle of the night. However, I was not afraid of it. I just knew the possibility was there. And so, but to answer your question, is it hard to go to sleep? Uh, it's not hard to go to sleep because your body literally chooses to sleep for you. <laughs> you know but it does go through your mind as you're falling into the sleep I, I i hope i wake up
0: tomorrow you know and and with all of these symptoms the headaches the fatigue the the breathing uh issues was there anything that actually helped i know in your documentary you you were drinking pedialyte and taking tylenol <laughs> did anything actually help
1: uh the pedialyte helped the the best uh tylenol don't do nothing um it doesn't do nothing. I'm actually drinking Pedialyte right now as I'm talking to you. Literally, this is let me see ten ten. This is my uh 21st bo- 20, twenty first bottle twenty twenty-first bottle of Pedialyte <laughs> that I have drunk since I've been in quarantine. And uh, thank God to my sister, she's brought me half and another person brought me another half. So just excuse me one second as I take a drink.
0: And how's it taste?
1: You know this thing tastes so delicious and I don't know if it's because <laughs> I'll tell you this, if I wasn't sick, it probably wouldn't taste delicious or maybe it would taste delicious. This is not just a people's first choice of drink. They'll go for a soda. They'll go for uh, uh, some other type of flavored drink or, or whatever. But I'll tell you one thing, I think I'm going to be drinking Pedialyte right now as my, my number one choice of drink with every meal because it does taste good. I I, I know there mm. is tons, it's, it's, it, you know, replaces your electrolytes. And, uh, you know, of course it does, uh, you know, replace, uh, you know, your fluids and, you know, zinc and all that stuff that your body is lacking. Uh, but I'll say this, um, it tastes delicious. It tastes <laughs> very, very delicious.
0: <laughs> and so what can you, you know, you mentioned the uh, Pedialyte and Tylenol didn't do anything. What can you say about, uh just simply having mental strength, having the the vision to see it, to see through it. What's the benefit of being positive and optimistic as opposed to just laying in bed and being ready to die?
1: Um, <clears throat> let me reverse. Pedialyte did do something. It kept me hydrated. Uh, tylen- tylenol did nothing. Pedialyte kept me hydrated. I think if I wouldn't mm. have been drinking Pedialyte. I would have dehydrated. And when you dehydrate, then then your body definitely goes down in fighting. And so I I could have died if I wasn't staying hydrated. Um, You know, following up on the question that uh, you asked, I think the benefit of just uh, being laying down this whole time, I call this I'm telling people this is what is called a forced sabbatical, you know, Mm. a sabbatical. A Sabbatical uh, uh, CEOs take them. Uh, uh, presidents take them. People who are in, you know, in the chair on, on the chair of a board takes them. Uh, pastors take them. Uh, owners of companies take them. People that are head positions that carry a lot of weight, responsibility, trust, and work really, really hard. Not to say that nobody else works really hard, but you know, there is something that they take. What what is called a sabbatical. And a sabbatical is that, you know, your advice to take, uh, you know, anywhere from seven days off uh, every uh, year uh, and then some, uh, depending on how it goes, how long you've been at a company, it goes to 14 days and 21 days. And you just keep multiplying the seven days. Um, You know, the longest sabbatical I've heard was uh, or or one of the more popular longest sabbaticals are anywhere between three months and six months that somebody would take off. For example, me, I've been pastoring now since I was 28 years old. I'm 50, so uh, that's quite a few years at being uh, the head of, of, of the church, uh, aside from Christ being the chief shepherd, but the, uh, the responsibility of the leadership of the church. And so people don't understand that that word uh, sabbatical comes from the biblical word Sabbath. And Sabbath is actually known as the seventh day that God took off to rest when he created the world. And so what I'm saying is the benefit of what has happened to me, it all it did was place me on what I call a forced sabbatical. I've gotten
0: and I'm getting the rest that I need so bad. And. In your documentary, you, you make a, a note to say that uh, you were really uh, motivated and strengthened by the testimony and experiences of others before you who have suffered from this virus. Uh, I think in, in the document, and I'm not sure if it's part one or part two, but you have a, a FaceTime chat with uh, your your friend and your uh, your spiritual son, uh, Fernando Vargas, <coughs> and you you found strength in his strength how is that what what was it about the way he confronted this uh, virus that uh strengthened you you
1: know he just well you know he's he's a natural fighter and in the documentary I'm comparing myself to him you know I compared myself as a baby uh because uh he's a warrior as a matter of fact his 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 fighting name was uh, uh the ferocious <laughs> Fernando Vargas. And I, I totally forgot. I was trying to abstain from his name earlier in this interview, but I forgot that he gave me permission uh for him to be placed on the documentary. So so that's who I was around, well, my wife and I, when uh when uh when we went to go get tested uh, the first time. And so you know he's a natural fighter. He's known as the ferocious Fernando Vargas. Uh he's known as the Aztec warrior uh, so he's, he's natural at it. So, you know, I, I thought I, 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 call, I thought I'd call somebody who will, um, uh, who will take the sissy out of me and, uh, and, and put some warrior blood in me. And so, uh, that's what I was inspired by. I just looked at him and he had, he had all the headaches. He had the fever, he had everything, but he, 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 he fought it like a champ and that inspired me. And, uh, and it's sad to say to this day, he's still, He's still positive. He just called me two days ago and he said, man, I I tested again for the third time and I'm still positive. Him and his wife are still positive. And so um, there they are again on on staying on the quarantine. I thought I was on the quarantine. They've been on a longer quarantine than I have.
0: Yeah, he he says something that I thought was really funny uh, in the documentary when you're FaceTiming him, he says, uh, ever since he was a kid, he just could tolerate pain. He, he, I think he talked about days when he would uh, drink alcohol when he was younger and how it would just take so much to even get drunk at all. So, uh, you, you say something in the documentary about him just being built different and that, you know, you, it's, it's, it's in strengthening to, uh, to see somebody like that, uh, battle this, um, So in terms of your pastoring, obviously the pandemic, even before you got the virus in the first place, um, how has this pandemic changed the way you have to pastor and counsel people, given the fact that you can't actually be with them or see them?
1: A lot of it is over the phone. Um, However, thank God for for my congregation. They know I have this virus. And so they're mature enough to maybe keep their problems away from you right now. They're respecting the fact that mm-hmm. I'm not even in my right place mentally, uh, physically, to even try to counsel people. I got a text yesterday from somebody who wanted me to marry them, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, you know, I'm I'm so sorry, you know, I I have this virus, I I can't I I can't I can't marry you guys. I'm I'm really really sorry. But that's, you know, one or two, you know, there was another that came in, uh, you know, asking for prayer and even saying, you know, nobody cares for me. And how come, uh, you know, but people don't call me to see how I'm doing. And I was like, hey, um, I'm calling you. I'm your pastor. If anybody that you should feel that or, or should appreciate that you're getting love and care from is from the pastor. And uh, and I'm sick with a virus. Um, it, you know, and calling. I mean, that uh, how how can you say nobody cares for you mm. when, when I'm over here trying to stay hydrated, is trying to stay out of the hospital, fighting this virus that is killing people, and and and, and calling to check up on you and and pray for you. Um, but that depletes me of my strength uh, because when you counsel somebody, if you're doing it as a job, um, the honest truth is there's not as much as Pressure, because you're just giving, uh, you're just giving head knowledge, okay. And the difference between, in, and I could be wrong by saying this, but the difference between a counselor and a pastor is a counselor is giving heart knowledge, and a pastor is, uh, is, I mean, a counselor is giving head knowledge, and a pastor is giving head and heart, head knowledge and heart empathy. And so mm. when you empathize with somebody, it depletes you of your energy because of how much care has left your body and went to somebody else's body. And so you walk away depleted now of what you just gave away of your, uh, your, your empathy. And so knowledge, you can be full of it, but um, uh, you do run out. You do run on empty with emotions and when you're when you're empathizing with somebody, you are you are you are investing and giving away mm. your emotions to somebody. So you've got to go back and refill your emotions and emotions are part of a human soul. And so the way I refill my emotions is by praying to God and he refills my emotional um, tank. And so um, so people are being very respectful And I I, I truly believe that the people who are calling, you know, to get married, who want prayer, uh, they're just at a different uh, level. They're built different. They look at things different. And so by no way am I uh, uh, saying they don't care or they're insensitive. Uh, That's just their that's their make.
0: You you spend a lot of time by yourself and actually and it sounds like I think you're still quarantined, right?
1: I'm still quarantined right now as we're in this interview.
0: And you were treating this quarantine like a forced sabbatical is what you just said. Um, how, have you been spending a lot of time in prayer?
1: Yes, so much time in prayer. And But the difference between my prayer now and before I got this virus is <clears throat> I pray a lot now with my mind and my spirit. Because when I talk, when I talk, it, 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 it does take a lot of energy. Mm. For me. And so uh, I have to pray uh, in my mind. that's why the Bible says pray in the spirit at all times and all w- at all times and all occasions with all different kinds of prayers. And so it says pray in the spirit. So it doesn't say pray with your mouth. So mm. it's just it's just amazing when you read the Bible. I um, mean, there's just so much um, so much good stuff in there, whether you believe it or not. Uh, it's still a book full of wisdom. I believe it is the living word of God. Other people don't, and if you don't believe it's the living word of God, uh, it's a sure it's it's a great book of wisdom, and I pray people read it for wisdom and then i pray god touches them with his spirit and they start believing that it is the true living word of god
0: in the documentary you say something about uh, the power of unity and the power of praying in unity and you reference this um this event i think it was called houses of prayer and you report that over 50 ho- over 50 homes were yeah. praying on this specific day over the course of an hour about various, um, subjects, um, what's the power in that in, in this collective prayer, uh, session?
1: Well, the power in it is, you know, Jesus told his disciples one day, he says, where two or more of you are gathered, I am there in the midst of you. And so the more people that are praying, I truly believe the greater of a visitation of God that a church is going to have. And so, uh, you know, the purpose of the prayer really was for the people themselves. You know, if people because what happens is, you know, people lose the um, the relationship with God through a lack of prayer. And sadly, you say the world's competitions uh, compete with your relationship with God. And you may say, what are the world's competitions? Well, work, uh, raising up children. Uh, and everything else that comes along with life. Uh, yesterday was, uh, you know, opening day. Uh, <laughs> opening day for the Dodgers. Uh, believe me, a lot of people who had church on Thursday, I guarantee you, uh, churches were empty on Thursday because it was a- a Dodgers play for the first time. So those compete with your relationship with 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 God. And so the purpose of putting these prayer things houses together, which is happening again next week. Uh, it's, 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 it's one because we're two or more gathered. He is there in the midst. And so it's just amazing on how much God will show up with more people that are praying at the same time for the same things. Uh, secondly, for those who have lost their relationship with God, this hopefully will break the habit that they fell into with not going to church because of this pandemic. And, um, you know, they, they created a new habit in their life. And, uh, uh, they created uh, new priorities in their life, and so I was hoping that doing something like this will get them mm. all uh, to spark up and breaking the habit that maybe some have created in their life. And it was a good response. There was fifty houses who opened up to do that, and so I think there was over a hundred people that
0: were praying on that night. I, I'm wondering, prayer in general, is, is it just an act of showing God faith and and your love for him, or does it actually influence God's will to pray?
1: Um, it's both. You know, the best way I could describe it is you're married. I'm married. Okay. <clears throat> How do you expect your relationship in your marriage to grow if you are never talking to each other? Uh, mm-hmm. All you're going to be doing is guessing the whole time. And so, <laughs> So uh, not only guessing, but also misreading, you know, when there's a lack of communication in a relationship and I'll use marriage as an example, because that's 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 uh, illustration that a a lot of people can identify with. When there's a lack of um, a a lack of communication in a marriage, uh, there's a lot of things that happens The distance takes place, uh, misinterpretation, misreading and a lot of guessing and all of those are negatives. And so all those negatives mm. add up to destruction and, and, and and destroy and separation and eventually a divorce. And that's kind of happens with, with God. It's like you pray not because you're told to you pray because um, you love that person enough, which is God to talk with him. And you pray because you want to keep your relationship healthy with him and you pray because in return there's benefits of prayer uh in return you get like i was talking about earlier your emotional strength gets built back up you know we we call that our faith our faith gets built up but uh there's a lot of benefits to it so Uh, It's not just because you have to. It's actually because you want to. And there's just a beautiful, beautiful chemistry that takes place. I mean, think about it. Think about it. Mm. I've met a lot of celebrities in my life. I mean, I met Michael Jackson. I've met uh, Mike Tyson. I've met uh, President Trump. uh, I've met President George W. Bush. Um, I could go on. I have a list. I mean, I met so many, I had to start writing them down because I was forgetting who I was meeting. And that's that's the beautiful thing about living in Southern California, around the corner from Hollywood. Uh, you know, I met a lot of people. However, I still can't believe that the one that I have a relationship with is God, the founder of mm. creation. That's a beautiful, beautiful <laughs> relationship
0: to have. So what was it, what has it been like to have to be separated from your wife and your kids and, and the world? Uh, what, what is it like to to have to be separated? Are you, um, what, what are you missing?
1: Man, I am missing, uh, of course, it's, well, to answer the question immediately. Uh, you know, it's lonely. It's lonely. Uh, but I, I have an advantage and that's the relationship I have with God. The people who are quarantined all alone and don't have a relationship with God, I can't believe how alone they must feel because I feel it even though I have a relationship with God. But us as human beings, we were designed and created to be with each other. That's why when God created Adam after a certain amount of days, that's when he said it's not good for man to live alone. And uh, because he knew that uh, the human the human person uh, was gonna need another human person to be able to get through in life. And so um, I know how Adam felt uh, being alone. Mm. you know it's not a good feeling. Um, and so um, that's of course that's uh, that's what, what I miss the most. I miss I miss relationships and I miss my, my wife terribly. Uh, thank God for, for technology with FaceTime and telephone calls and all of that. That really does help, but there's nothing like the physical touch. That's why social distancing is very, very dangerous. What it's doing, it is robbing us of the warmth of another person's touch. You know, you can't feel the warmth through a a, a camera. You can't feel the warmth um, through a podcast uh, as much as you can feel it. From one hand to another hand, we're warm-blooded creatures, and we hmm. have the need for warmth in our life. And so, I'm missing the warmth of the sun. I'm w- I'm missing the, the 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 warmth of other people's uh, uh, bodies, just being around them. Um, the social distancing is very very dangerous be- because it is creating us to a culture. That is going to be a very lonely culture. And when people get lonely, that's when the suicide rates go up
0: higher. Has COVID-19 forced you or your family to to sacrifice at all? Have there been any sacrifices made as a result of this COVID-19 experience?
1: Oh, my gosh. I just want to get in my car and... Go to a Mexican restaurant and <laughs> and eat and eat some good homemade tortillas with some enchiladas and the rice and refried beans. Uh, I just want to go to Denny's and have a cup of coffee with some eggs and some extra <laughs> crispy bacon. Um, man, I just want to go downstairs and say hi to the 12 people that live with me. I want to shake their hand. I want to hug them. I want to love them. I want to talk to them. I want to hang out with them. I want to watch some preaching videos with them. I want to preach to them. These are all sacrifices that I'm making. I want to hug and kiss my little Hannah, who is nine years old, my little angel, who is seven. I just want to put my arms around them. I can't do that. You know, I could FaceTime them, but these are sacrifices that you're making.
0: <laughs> and my last question for now um, is is a person ever too old to appreciate and be comforted by their mother's food.
1: <laughs> oh never, never 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 too old. My my mom sent me over, oh gosh, she sent me over a homemade plate of enchiladas and her rice. Oh my gosh, she made them just the way I like them, extra olives, extra onions. No, a person is never too old to enjoy (laughs) their mother's (laughs) home cooking. (laughs) Uh,
0: So Pastor Fernando Franco, it's been a a great pleasure to talk. Um, I I hope we can do it again soon. If I can make one last request, Um, to just cap this thing off. Uh, If you could maybe just uh, give us uh, a prayer to end this on. I
1: sure would. Yes. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for the viewing audience. And I thank you for the host of this uh, podcast. I thank you, God, that uh, everybody, and I pray that they continue, I pray that they don't pause this right now. I pray that they don't End this right now on their own, let them hear this prayer. God, I just pray for every person that is watching. I don't know what they're going through. I don't even know who is viewing God. But I pray that uh, whatever they're going through in life that they feel they can't get through, uh, they probably are right. They, they probably can't get through. But I pray that they would just call on you for strength to get through it. I pray your grace to be upon every person who is viewing And I pray, God, that they would be able to call in and send messages and contact uh, this podcast and let them know how uh, this prayer made a difference for their life. I pray your grace, love, mercy, compassion, and unconditional love, love with no strings attached, to be upon every viewer that has listened and watched. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray.
0: Amen. Amen i